exceptional. Outstanding. Uh, I From failing, you learn. From success, not so much. If I gave up every time I failed, I never would have made the meatball cannon. I never would have made my fireproof pants. Uh, still working out the kinks. Like my husband always says. May it lead to success in the future. Okay, that should... I uh, love that clip from Meet the Robinsons um, because it just highlights and celebrates failure. You know, that uh, you just got to keep going, keep moving forward because failure, it represents life. You know, failure represents creativity. Uh, failure is, is beautiful in the kingdom of God when we live in a community characterized by grace. And that, we, that we celebrate that and learn and continue to grow. As was said, you know, from successes we don't quite learn as much as we do when we fail. And so in the, in the context of our gifts of the gifts that God has given us, and the, the, the earthly resources, the, the, the human talents, all that God has given. He's given those to us in order to then go and use for God's glory and the salvation of the world. But I think many of the reasons that we're hesitant to access those gifts and to use them is because we're scared of failure. We're, we're scared of what people will think. We're scared of how people will respond or that we'll go forward you know, teaching or with acts of mercy and people will not respond to them. So our, our passage today speaks to us about you know, keeping, keep moving forward, to, to go for it with the gifts that God has entrusted to our care. They are not just to be, to be kept inside. They're, they're, they're not just to be shined and put on a shelf. But they are to be used regularly and regularly and often will lead to what might truly be failure or look like failure. But that can't stop us from letting the Spirit enliven us with His gifts and talents and resources that come in order to change you and me and the world around us. Um, it's First uh, Peter chapter four, starting with verse seven, is our passage. You can um, it's on page nine eighty five in your pew Bible, or it's uh, you can follow along on the screen. Let's uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, thank you again for your written word. Thank you for the, the gifts and talents and resources you have entrusted to us. Now, indeed, fill us with your spirit. As we've been singing, may your spirit come among us, open our eyes and our hearts and our soul and our hands and our feet uh, so that we hear from you and, uh, and follow. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, First um, uh, Peter chapter 4, starting with verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be serious 
and discipline yourselves for the sake of your prayers. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies, so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To Him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Alright, so the, the first thing that he gets at here is just the, the urgency of the time. You know, the significance of the moment. Right? It says that the time is, uh, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be serious and discipline yourselves. You know, that we are in a significant time. You, you don't know when Jesus is going to return. You don't know when exactly the opportunity for the gifts and the resources that God has given you are to be used. It may be in a time when you least expect it, but there is an urgency to identify what those gifts are, to surrender to the Spirit, and together to act according to the gift and resources that He has given us. We, we can't let the fear of failure, past or potential in the future, stop us, overwhelm us. You know, and it's interesting at the end of the, the passage there, when he said, you know, be serious. Therefore, this is a serious thing. This is a thing to discipline yourself. It's, it's, it's worth taking time to sit in class. It's worth filling out those, those spiritual gift surveys and, and studying and listening and, and praying because the, it's such an urgent time. But he also says, do this for the sake of your prayers. Now, you could read that. At first glance, I looked at it and thought, huh, okay, so I need to be serious and discipline myself because that will mean my prayers will have more power. You know, that if I don't, then my prayers would, be, um, uh, would have not as much power. But then as I studied and looked at it a little more, what I really think he's saying is, you know, the end of all things is near. And, and so that means things are chaotic. Things are scary. We can be filled with, with fear and uncertainty and challenges. And when that happens, then that fear overwhelms us and we neglect our relationship with God. You know, we get too busy to pray. We get too focused on addressing the fears to pray. And what Peter is telling us here, no, that in these times when it's, when it's challenging, when it's chaotic, when you're overwhelmed with fear or worry, all the more be serious and discipline yourselves and be sure that you pray. Be sure that you stay connected to God in these times of uncertainty and chaos. Don't be paralyzed the, the paralysis of analysis you know when we take in all that's going on around us um this is a few years ago now and uh, uh my youngest son nate we were teaching him to drive you know he was in his 15 or 16 or something along those lines and uh we were traveling down i-71 and as we're going this is one of those times sort of later in the process so we're like all right we want you to want you to exit at red bank road all right, and then we're going to sit back and we're just going to watch. You know, we're not going to 
say anything on this one. See if, if he passes it and miss it, then you know, he'll learn from experience. You know, and we've got to travel all the way to Kentucky in order to turn around and come back. You know? And uh, as we're coming upon the exits, we're coming on the exits, he's moving along, we're quiet in the back seat until he then, he's looking at the signs, he comes to almost a complete stop in I-71. Yes, and we, we throw this passage out. We don't discipline ourselves. We panic. We go, what are you doing? Why are you stopped in I-70? You can't do that. Go, go, don't stop. Uh, we find out that really what that revealed was he needed glasses, that he was nearsighted, and he didn't see the sign until he came right on it, and so he was then going to stop and then turn. So we went to the optometrist the next day, and he has glasses, and that solved that one. So you don't want to panic. I can't read the sign and stop in the middle of the interstate. We can't be overwhelmed by the fears, and we have to keep going forward. You see, you can't predict, though, how people will respond to you living into the gifts God has given you. If you're doing it in order to get a response from other people instead of out of obedience and out of love and joy for God, then it's going to lead to maybe a wreck or at least a lot of people going crazy. Because you can't make people respond positively. You know, there's Hurricane Matthew, right, the, that, that destroyed Haiti and came up the East Coast. You know, in North, North Carolina caused a lot of, of damage. And, uh, and yet the North Carolina officials, they put out the word. You know, you, you need to evacuate. People living in this area you need to evacuate by this time. And then they put out the word. All right, it's now safe to come outside of your, of your homes. And m- most of the people that died in North Carolina died because they didn't heed the advice and the guidance of the officials. They didn't evacuate when they should have or they came out when it was too early. It, we, just, we can't make people respond to the gifts that God has given to us. I mean, you, you may be gifted in, in teaching and, and, in, and in mercy, and so you, you spend an afternoon a week over at uh, Pleasant Hill tutoring with whiz kids or with, with Treehouse, but th- there's, there's no guarantee that somebody will receive that and respond. You, know, you, you may be an evangelist and gifted, and, and everywhere you go, you are sharing the good news. You are being a witness to Jesus, but there's no guarantee that that witness will be received by another. You, you, you may be an apostle. You may be one that's gifted uh, with that uh, apostleship, and, and you're, you're ready for us to go ahead and start planting a church somewhere because that's what you want to do. And, and that will bring you joy, will bring joy to the Father, but there's no guarantee that that's going to work in this broken world. So that, that, that fear of failure that our teaching or our gift of mercy or our prophecy or our, our um, uh, uh, gift of administration will be received and appreciated. You know, it is just can't. That fear of that failure can't stop us from living into what God's gifted us to do. Now, Peter goes on, verses 8 and 9. He says, here's what you can do. I mean, one, he says, connect with God. Don't panic and disconnect from God. Keep your, be serious and disciplined so that you are listening to God. Do what you need to to do that. And then he says, now love. 
at all, whatever else you do, above all, no matter what your gift is and where and how you're called to use it, here is what you're called to do. You're called to get to love. You're called to love one another. And we talked about that. We dedicated one whole sermon in the series about love, that, that these gifts are for the service of others. They are for the very pleasure of God. So we, we do it out of love for others. Where we're doing what we think is best for others, even as we pray regularly. You know, we serve the world no matter the cost. We're called to, to love one another and to practice hospitality. You know, be hospitable to one another. You know, love that word. One of my favorite words in the Greek, one of the, um, it's, it's the word xenos and phileo. All right, xenos, you know, xenophobia. You ever heard that word? You know, you're scared of something that's strange. Xenos is strange. And then it's the next word is phileo. Well, phileo is the word where we get Philadelphia. And Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. So it means treat with brotherly love the strange one. That's what, hospi- that's what hospitality means. That's what the word hospitable is. And aren't we thankful that Jesus is hospitable to me and to you? And so he's called, he says, so be hospitable to one another. To do that, you know, you, you, you love those that are strangers. So how are you using the gifts, wherever and however it might be? Be sure that love for the other is your guiding commitment. And then, I love it at the end, he said, and do that all without complaining. See, that's something else you can control. Are you going to complain or not? I mean, complaining can be as bad as fear of failure because what happens when we complain is that when we're complaining, what that, it's a great defense mechanism because when, we're, when we complain, I'm usually complaining about something. It's focusing on something that I can't control in order to avoid focusing on the things that I can Complaining is a great tool. I can focus on the things I can't control, like the weather, instead of focusing on the things that I can control. Like, am I acting in a way that is honest and loving and righteous? Those things we can control. Is is our relationship, as we're using these gifts, is our relationship with God, are we staying connected to him are we doing out of love and are we doing so without complaining and then finally he says so you do this as as good stewards of the manifold grace of god serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received yeah you know the word grace the word gift are really the same word and that this is again this is in a a community of grace you know where yes we're going to fail god's going to pick us up clean us up he's going to teach us and he's going to lead us on it's one of grace where we receive gift after gift from god not something we deserve or earned it's a resource talent and gifts that god has given us that now he's saying you are a steward of those gifts that manifold grace means, means just diverse, all different kinds. And, and literally, it's, it's many-colored. That it's all kinds of grace. Each one of us have those different kinds, but it's all for the same purpose of serving others and bringing God joy. It's a, uh, um, 
we are then oh, a, a great turn of a, a great phrase that I think that captures this well. Is really as Christians we are. Um, I think it was Matthew Fox that said this. It was a, um, a priest, uh, at least where I, where I read it. He, we are midwives of grace. We are midwives of grace. Yeah. Um, let's see, Doctor Dreyer back there. Obstetricians of grace just doesn't have the same. You know, flavor to it, but a midwife of grace. You know, and midwives are those that come alongside women who are pregnant. They, they support them, encourage them, and help them. They, they receive the child you know, and, then, and then deliver and clean things up. And, but they have nothing to do with the pregnancy. They have nothing to do with creating that life, nothing to do with making it happen. They simply receive it. Do, do, you, do you see your life as a midwife of grace? You know, that you're a steward. God has given you gifts and abilities and sent you out in order to serve others, in order to glorify God. Another way to think about, um, to to glorify God, is that you're called to enhance. You're enhancing God's reputation. In a way, in this season of political campaigns, we are always on a campaign, you're always a campaign worker for Jesus. Jesus. You know, and what you say and do and all that we are in the gifts, we are, in a sense, that campaign worker telling others, man, we're out distributing that gift, giving it to others, stewarding the gifts that he's given so that others won't see us but will see him. We're midwives of grace. You know, so th- th- doesn't that just mean for, for you and for me, man, that we're, that you, aren't you going to just wake up every morning and just wonder, okay, God, what gift you given me today? You know, you're going to wake up every morning, you know, what, what way do I get to speak your words? Because that's what he says later on. You're going to speak the very words of God. In what way are you going to do the work of the hands of God? Now you're going to serve in his power. In what way are you going to hype God to the world? You know, do, do you wake up that every morning with that attitude in your heart and in your soul and in your mind? Neither do I. Because I can get too worried about the things of life that are around me. Fears of failures in the past or fears of failure in the future. I can get too worried about, well, where's that level in that bank account? I can get, get too uh, worried and um, scared about, you know, there's, there's some stuff happening in the roof that we've got to take care of. Maybe we'll just pray and it'll go away. Uh, worried some of you might be school it might be work kids how much time and energy do I waste being distracted in fear and worry but but I got good news I got good news if if, if you're like that with me if you're tracking that yeah I don't wake up excited asking God what gifts are you going to give me to share with others I usually wake up and uh, survey the scene and see how do I make it through the day if you're like that with 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 me or maybe I just want to somehow turn the alarm off and pull the covers up a little tighter the good news is that that God's still going to use you and me even in our brokenness, even in, when we don't hear and, and, and see th- with the excitement this opportunity of every day to be midwives of grace. 
Um, I asked Chris Rediger and Sam Routson to come and, and just share a little story where that uh, um, was. It happens a couple, two Sundays ago here in the, the worship service and where God has gifted them and called in particular ways and how even in spite of them, he, uh, um, he was glorified. Well, it was during the healing stations in the first service. We do it a little bit differently. We do that, and then we do communion. So I was working the video desk, and there's just a short window of time for me to... I decided I wanted prayer because after the surgery, I was still in kind of a fog, uh, from I guess from the anesthesia. So I got up, and Jean had somebody with her. So I went around the corner, and Elena had a line, and I turned back around to go back to the video desk, and there's Chris standing there, And I went up to Chris, and while I was walking towards her, I realized she was in line to be prayed for, not to be a prayer. (laughs) And I said, Chris, we'll pray for each other. And she said, okay. So she starts praying for me, and as she did, the power of God just washed over me. And I lost my balance, and I braced myself, and then another wave of, of his presence and his power, and I braced myself again, and then it happened a third time, and she's holding on to me. And finally she sat me down in a chair and continued to pray over me. And uh, I'll let Chris tell the rest of the story. Well, when I met Sam on World Communion Sunday, I was, just like she said, I came for prayer myself. And I was standing in line waiting, and she approached me with this face that had this expectancy. So what could I do but say, okay. I didn't feel like praying for anybody, frankly. I was in a funk and feeling very sorry for myself and was not in the mood to let go of that. She had no idea of how I was feeling. You see, the Lord has had me in a kind of a holding pattern for the past few months. And it was weighing especially on me that morning. About a year ago, I began to pray, Lord, help me be and do what you want. Your will be done. And that prayer has really rocked my life. That it's brought me to a place of seeking a deeper level of obedience and lordship than I had experienced up until now. And it's just, it's really rocked my world. And that particular day was really hard. Because you see, I like to use my gifts. In fact, I love to use my gifts. And the Lord has had me in this place where I can't use my gifts. I kind of am tied down. And so that's hard for me. I was discouraged. I was standing there waiting. When would the Lord move and let me soar? So Sam comes up to me, and then she said, maybe we'll pray for each other. And I remember thinking, yeah, right. And, you know, I'm in my choir robe, which is not exactly a nimble outfit, and no oil, Sure, I'll pray for you. So then she says she has this fog. Well, when she said that, it made me mad because I thought, here's this woman. She's a saint of God. She's recovering from surgery, and a fog will not do. And so I started to pray for her, and right away the Lord just came. I mean, I didn't say anything that was useful. It was just his spirit that was powerful And she was like, you know, kind of shaky. And I thought, oh, she's going down in the spirit. And she kind of resisted it. And then she almost went again. And 
I, you know, it was just really fun. And it's fun to see God work, you know. It was like the Toby Max show, come and steal my show. I had nothing. I mean, I, I had nothing to give that morning. And so God did. So I go back to the choir loft, and nobody prayed for me. And I felt, I felt better, you know. I, I, it was encouraging. So I get to the second service. And they, I was supposed to be on the communion healing team. And right away I said, I want to pray. And so they put me in the center aisle in the back. And you know what? God just kept coming. And the people who came, the Lord just, the Spirit just kept coming. I didn't do anything useful. I mean, nobody needs me. It's Him. And the Lord did, and he healed, and there continues to be testimonies about the healing work of the Lord. So it was really fun. They went on with communion around us. They gave the offering. They kind of shoved us out of the way, and (laughs) Drew was going on with the service, and we were still back there praying. So anyway, so I got back to my seat, and... I remember thinking, you know, Lord, I've, I've been begging you, when do I get to be in that place where I get to serve and get to use these gifts that you've given me? But, Lord, if I had to choose to be in that place where I could be somebody and I could be effective and I could use my gifts or be in that place where God stole the show Mm -hmm. and God did his thing. You choose door number two every time. And so it was a wonderful thing just to be able to praise God for that and to praise God for that Holy Spirit moment of getting to remember that he really is here, and he really is in charge, and he really does have a plan, and just because I don't get it, and just because I'm too obstinate and all whatever, that the Lord has to put me in this place for me to get it, he still is in charge, and he still uses us, whether we do anything useful or not. So, God bless you all. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, So whether we feel like it or not, if we are in Jesus Christ, then we have received gifts, each one of us. Um, And not just gifts to make it through the day, but gifts to speak the words that God has us to speak. Gifts to serve in the power of God with the hands that God has given us. The Gifts to use so that we might indeed enhance the very reputation of Jesus to the world. That's the gifts that each of us have. So identify what those fears might be, whether it's fears of the past or of the the future, uh, fears of not being received or whatever worries that distract you. Identify those and, and set those aside in order to receive from God what He's gifted you to do and to be. Amen.